Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, is a powerful book about the importance of meaning and value in human life. Frankl was a Jewish psychologist who survived both Dachau and Auschwitz concentration camps during World War II. And in his book, Frankl spoke of the atrocities of the concentration camps, in particular how little food prisoners were given. They considered themselves fortunate if their soup contained one little pea in it. They bartered in the sleeping quarters for just a small, dry crust of bread. In a very sad and yet real way, Frankl described those who lived under those conditions as already dead, but still walking around. Frankl's writing and psychological work focused on meaning and value and on the choices people have when faced with unimaginable adversity. But the picture Frankl drew with his words of people walking around the concentration camps, emaciated, literally starving to death, is also a profound picture of humanity without the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think of the atrocities of the Holocaust, those are just very dark, bleak reminders of how far humans can spiral without God. And the trauma and tragedies the victims had to endure, that just reveals the adversary's plan for all humanity. Truly, all people are, as Paul said, dead in trespasses and sins. However, God stands ready to make them alive again. And yet God makes people alive again when we obey his gospel. This is the promise of resurrection. Even though all people without God are dead men walking, we can be made alive with Christ. Old things can pass away. All things can become new. This, my friends, is the promise of resurrection. And I'm really looking forward to sharing a lot more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm happy to be your host. And you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. It's a companion podcast because it goes right along with the God's Word for Life, whether you listen to it in small groups, you learn in a Sunday school, a weekend class, you walk through this with your daily devotional guide, however you are following along. I'm happy to share this with you. This stems from the lesson dated April 17th, 2022, and it is entitled The Promise of Resurrection, our Focus verse is from John chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. If you have your Bible, please turn. If you don't, you can listen. I'll be happy to read. John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, What? Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. And then also from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 52, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and thank God we shall be changed. Now Jesus promised he would rise again. Jesus told the disciples he would be handed over to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify him. But on the third day, he would rise again. Matthew 20, verse 19. The resurrection promises of Jesus come to students of the word in different ways, depending on which gospel we are reading. For example, Matthew, there is a significant focus on the cost of discipleship in laying down one's life. 
We read in Matthew 16 and in Matthew 20 on the emphasis on the suffering of Jesus. Matthew was helping his Jewish readers understand that Jesus would be the suffering servant who bore the sins of the world. This was a, a reference to Isaiah's prophecy from Isaiah 53 over 700 years earlier. The resurrection of Jesus is understandable when we view it in the light of his crucifixion. It provides insight to Peter's message in Acts 2 where he described Jesus' suffering to those Jews who had gathered to hear. His suffering, his subsequent resurrection, caused them to confess Jesus as Lord and Christ. And Jesus prophesied about both his suffering and his resurrection. We read about that in John chapter 2 when Jesus said, If you destroy this temple, don't worry, in three days I will raise it up. And then the Jews said, What? It has taken 40 and 6 years to build this temple. You're going to build it back up in three days? Which my challenge to you today is to use that, that word convention. So if somebody says, hey, what's your ETA? You can say, I should be there in about 30 and 5 minutes. So there you go. Fun to play with the King James like that. They said, it took us 46 years to build it. And Jesus said, ah, oh, well, then I'll build it back up in three days. But he was referring to the temple that was standing in Jerusalem. He was referring to the temple of his body. He was prophesying his resurrection. They couldn't believe Jesus. No human can raise the temple in such a short time, not even working 24 hours around the clock and with a Home Depot, Lowe's, and a Menards. But had they known he was speaking of his body, they would have been even more stunned. Now, it's improbable that you can build a temple in three days. It's impossible that you can come back from the grave after three days. And Jesus said, in essence, watch. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18, I lay down my life. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years, over 700 years before it happened, that Jesus would be like a lamb led to slaughter. The great love Jesus shows for us was displayed for all to see on Calvary. Nobody coerced him to lay down his life, and no one took his life from him. Neither the Romans, nor the Jews, nor the religious, nobody took his life from him. In the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul drew a very clear contrast between Jesus and Adam. In the Garden of Eden, Adam willingly disobeyed and chose his own way, not considering us, didn't think about us down the road. Adam did what he wanted to do. Not so with Jesus. Jesus had every right to refuse, withdraw, hold back, stay away. He knew the sacrifice involved, the pain coming, the humiliation, the shame, and yet he willingly laid down his life for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, Hebrews chapter 12. Here's a question for all of you, all of us, present-day disciples. What implications are there for us in the knowledge that Jesus willingly surrendered? No one took his life. He laid it down for us. What does that mean to us? Now, the story of Jesus willingly, voluntarily laying down his life continued as he died on the cross and then was buried. And here we meet another character in the Bible's cast of characters. He's a secret follower of Jesus. His name was Joseph from the town of Arimathea. And he came to ask for the body of Jesus. We hear about that in all four Gospels. His request for the body of Jesus is so important that each Gospel writer wrote about it. And John tells us he's the one who lets us know that, hey, this guy was a follower of Jesus. The exact information, location about Jesus' burial highlights how authentic the Gospels really are. The disciples knew where Jesus was buried. They were willing to tell anyone who would listen that their master had died and been buried. They didn't deny that. 
Jesus' burial in Joseph's tomb fulfilled another prophecy from Isaiah 53. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he hath done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Here's another question. Joseph was called a secret disciple, but Jesus' death brought Joseph's devotion, his affection to light. Why? What do you think about Jesus' death stirred Joseph to action? Now let's go from his death and burial to his resurrection, of which one scholar noted this is the, quote, principal proof of Christianity, end quote. Jesus rose from the dead. All other claims of Jesus can easily be cast aside. If this doesn't happen, he prophesied it would. And if it didn't happen, although he worked many miracles and wonders and walked on water, everybody could discount his claims because he said he would do something he did not do. An honest evaluation from history proves Jesus rose from the dead. But it's not the claim that he rose from the dead that troubles all sinful humanity. It's what his resurrection from the dead means for all humanity that troubles those who are guided by evil desires live only for themselves. Jesus' resurrection means he is Lord of history and he is King of kings. His resurrection proves he is who he claimed to be. Jesus' resurrection proves he is the only one worthy of worship and adoration. And before him one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The resurrection of Jesus, it's not intended to just be an empty exercise in research. The resurrection of Jesus has meaning for every one of us, every one of our days. Bill Gaither wrote it like this, because he lives. I've been working on that vibrato. I can face tomorrow. These words highlight the future hope we have because Jesus rose. We can face any uncertainty because we know Jesus rose. Social unrest, global pandemics, political turmoil. Yep, we can face all of it because Jesus rose. And all of those, social unrest, global pandemics, political turmoil, they must all bow before the King of Kings. Followers of Jesus Christ know he has the whole world in his hands. We can trust him with our future. Not only can disciples trust Jesus for the future, we can trust him for the present. Gaither's song could also aptly be be titled, Because He Lives, I Can Face Today. Not just tomorrow, but I can live today with all of today's struggles and hurts and pains and frustrations and problems. We can still face today. You can get out of bed and walk with God today because he rose from the grave. The resurrection of Jesus means I have hope for this very moment. That no sickness, no cancer, no depression, no anxiety, no addiction, no broken relationship can stop what Jesus has done for me. Jesus rose from the grave. We have hope because Jesus lives. That hope should change your life. It's changed mine. How has it changed your life? And when was the last time the hope of his resurrection ignited your faith? I hope it was during service yesterday, during our Easter celebration, but I hope it's more than once a year. I hope we think of it often, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It means so much for us. It meant so much for the New Testament church when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 that every one of us need to repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Later, Peter and Paul described what this experience had done for those who obeyed and received it. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned 
And later he wrote that before we are filled, we must realize we are dead in trespasses and sins. And the wages, the the paycheck we get at the end of our life for sinning all our life is death. The spiritual death people live, it's real. People feel it. There's no earthly filler for the hole in the heart of humanity. Only Jesus, there's another song, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. But oh, can he ever. Many people wonder why first-time guests to apostolic Pentecostal churches often find themselves standing there or kneeling there weeping. Why am I weeping? I'm not even sad, I don't think. Am I? Well, one reason is because it's the first time they have ever experienced the love of God they were created to feel. They may not fully understand what's happening. That's okay, but their human spirit is connecting to and sensing the Holy Spirit. The love, the joy, the hope they experience, it brings tears. It's real. It's wholesome. It's cleansing. It's life. And it only happens because Jesus rose from the grave. When sinners turn from their sins and open their hearts to God, they will be filled with the gift of God's Holy Spirit. That can only happen because Jesus rose from the grave. The resurrection life of Jesus is given to us by the Holy Spirit. According to Romans chapter 8, the Holy Spirit brings us from a purely selfish, fleshly, carnal existence to a spiritual one, one where we don't just live for ourselves anymore, but we live for God. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are in the Spirit, not in the flesh. We're not just living for us anymore. We're living to please, honor, glorify God. When we receive the Holy Spirit, this transformation, it takes place. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians chapter 1. This guarantees our inheritance we have in Jesus Christ. The same Spirit that raised up the lifeless body of the man Jesus Christ will raise up Holy Spirit-filled believers at the resurrection. Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. That just simply means he was the first of many. There's a greater resurrection coming in the future, not just one. But millions will be resurrected. It's not greater in the sense that it's better. It's greater in the sense that there are more people who will experience it. All because Jesus rose. Jesus was the first, but when he returns and he quickens the lifeless bodies of those who have already died in faith, holding on to their faith, it will include millions, a greater resurrection. Those quickened in that day will be those who have the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. The guarantee from God to believers is the promised Holy Spirit. He will quicken our mortal bodies. Let's think of the most exciting day in your life. Not just the day you got married or the day you received the Holy Spirit, but the day Jesus is coming back and we will be resurrected. That is the most exciting day in our lives. But there was some confusion and sadness in the church. If that is the most exciting day in our lives, some of the church who lived in the city of Thessalonica, they thought, well, we must have missed it somehow. They, they believed people who had died in the Lord, they would miss the experience of Jesus Christ's return. They knew Jesus was coming and they, they lived with that blessed hope. But as time progressed, people began to die. And Paul wrote to instruct them that even though these followers of Jesus had already died, They weren't going to miss the most important day of their life, even if it came after their life. They would not miss what God was planning whenever Jesus Christ returned. In fact, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. They are first in line. The dead in Christ didn't miss anything. In fact, they'll get to see it all first. 
being alive when Christ returns? Oh, that's an amazing experience for those who will be so blessed to be in that number. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17, which, by the way, are my favorite verses in all of the Holy Writ. Paul was explaining the sequence of events when Jesus would return, and he said, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, referring to the dead in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. After those who have already gone on by the way of the grave, after they rise, we will rise and we will join them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It will be like a day like all other days when Jesus returns, but a day like no other day when Jesus returns. It's such a privilege to know, thanks to the resurrection, Jesus is coming back one of these days. And that glorious and blessed hope coupled with the hope of the resurrection, well, that's a reason to celebrate. Now, we're going to wrap this up. Even secular historians, even skeptics, are willing to, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the central figure in human history. His resurrection, though, is more than a history lesson. It has eternal consequence for all humanity. People in sin who doubt Jesus' claims are true, they ignore his love that reaches for them, will find themselves entering an eternity of suffering and pain, which, by the way, is never God's will. But if people say no to God repeatedly in this life, God will not force them against their will to spend time with him in eternity. But people in Christ who through faith they believe Jesus' claims are true, who obey the gospel, they will find abundant life now and eternal life filled with joy in the presence of God. Jesus promised he would rise from the grave, and he did. And the disciples doubted, but they understood after they saw him, after they saw the risen Christ, they believed they were never the same. The resurrection was not an event. It was a person. The resurrection was someone they knew. They heard him speak. They had seen him do the impossible. And Jesus himself in John chapter 11 said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus still wants to be known to us as the resurrection. Sure, the resurrection was an event, but it's also a person to be experienced through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Pentecostal message. Everyone everywhere can experience resurrection life through the resurrection and the life. So let's respond to the word of God with faith and let's allow God to move on us through his Holy Spirit to experience more than just an event, but the person who makes the event powerful, the resurrection. Let's pray. If you've never experienced this power, I want to pray that God would fill you with his Holy Spirit and you would experience and know more than just about an event but you would know the one who said of himself and proved with his own words and works, he is the resurrection. Lord Jesus, there's nobody like you. The grave could not hold you. Hell and death could not keep you. Thank you, not only for the event, but for who you are. Not only for what you did, but for who you are. Thank you, Jesus. Help every one of us to experience the power of the resurrection every day. Help us all to have a relationship with you, to know you, to walk with you, to be close to you, to have a closer relationship than we've ever had before. I ask you today, Lord Jesus, help every one of us to be full of your Holy Spirit, living in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, and allowing you to do everything you want to do in our lives. I pray it. Increase our faith 
and use us to share our faith all because of the resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners, making God's Word for Life part of your devotion and your walk with Jesus Christ. Be sure to click subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Click share so nobody else has to miss an episode and they can get to hear what God is doing in your life. Also, we've got some great resources at PentecostalPublishing.com. That link is in the show notes. Great resources to help you in your relationship with God and help you help others in their relationship with God. Next week, we continue our series, God is With Us. We took just a little bit of a break for Easter Sunday, but we're going to come right back to working through God is With Us, the story of Joseph. I do love that story, and I want to share with you a lesson called God Knows the Way. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.